Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you or someone you know has been affected by the content of this episode, please contact our helpline via Twitter at SlaughterThePod. Hi guys, welcome to episode 22 of Slaughter. Hi everyone, we're happy to be here again. Moaning about grammar, you've just missed it, but... You weren't here, but um, mind your P's and Q's. Yeah. And your was and was. Yeah. If you don't want me to do a murder... <laughs> it's not more better it's not more better for me to eat not do a murder <laughs> so we're here again only three days after we were before because of the screw up but this time it's all going to go perfectly well everything's going to be fine I'm going to leave you guessing at what the screw up was it wasn't me not pressing record it was something personal it was between me and Lucy <laughs> I want people to think there's a feud <laughs> there was a little bit <laughs> So, my story is a UK-US crossover. I've checked the Slaughter Handbook, <laughs> and it does fit the rules still. We should have a handbook. There's enough UK involved for it to be counted. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll all agree. So, um, though you probably, I think in America and UK, this will be one of those murders that actually both people are probably aware of equally as well. Um, and it's about a guy called Neil Entwistle. See, you did a little laugh at the name. I didn't think it was weird, but... one a little bit weird. Mine's got a much funnier name than yours, though. I'm just preparing you. Well, I actually... There's a thread about Neil Entwistle on prisontalk.com. It just sounds like Entwistle. Well, it wasn't funny. I didn't think think it was funny enough to read out on the podcast, but it was basically one person ranting about Neil Entwistle, saying about how disgusting he was and how can he have such a stupid name, which is something that we do on the podcast, but to type it out on a prison forum, I don't think I'd bring up the name as, like, a list of grievances. Yeah, it's not... It's not, like, laugh-out-loud hilarious. They were mainly bothered about the fact that he had a stupid name. I was like, I think Entwistle is perfectly delightful. It just sounds like you're just dropping some letters off the beginning. Like, it should be Tent Whistle. Bent you're Whistle. Saying, <laughs> if they were from New Newassle as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just having a stroke. So, it is a pretty horrendous crime. It does involve the killing of a mother and a baby. Mm. Warning. Um, Spoiler alert. Well, I thought if I just say it now, then no one's going to cry later. Yeah. I mean, we've done worse. But not personally. No. Neil met his soon-to-be wife, Rachel, at York University 
in the UK. I feel like I need to keep saying, this was UK. (laughs) So they met at York University in 1999. He was studying electronics there, and she was an English student who'd come over for a year to study here, to learn how to speak English properly, I assume. (laughs) Uh, She was from Boston. Okay. Which... Massachusetts? Yes. Do you know how I know that? Goodwill hunting. No, road trip. Because you guys, what, Austin, Massachusetts? No, Boston, Massachusetts. And then they go to the wrong university. Yeah. That's the only reason I know that. Oh, I'm impressed with your knowledge. But yeah, she's from Boston, which does have a wicked good accent. I'm not going to do it. Go on, do it. (laughs) Car. Rachel was from Boston, and she met. They met at the university on the rowing team, mm. which I didn't know that York was massive I for. Know, it. it sounds like Cambridge. Yeah, but they were on the rowing team, and she was the best position. Like if you had to be in a boat race, you'd want to be the cox. Is that the one who sits at the front and shouts? Yep. Done. You're all cox. That's it. Like it's. I don't really think it's necessary. Would you bang a drum? Yes. I mean, are they going to row slower? Because no one, well, no one's shouting at me. <laughs> oh, I bother. Well, no I start ac- lighting up cigarettes and just putting the feet There's up. no accountability here. <laughs> I can do what I like. But that was her job, and he was one of the oarsmen. And did you know which river runs through York? No. See, my parent, like, as a child, one of our family games would be... What I- river? Well, I think it's called, do people call it categories? But it's where you have to do, like, boy, girl, town, country, river, sea, beverage. Animal. I mean, you're a geeky family. And, yeah, and, like, you pick a letter of the alphabet and then you have to come up with one of those things. So rivers would always be my sticking point. I never knew any rivers, but my dad and granddad would be like, yes, it's the River Don. Oh. Anyway, so the river in York is the River Ooze. <laughs> which I love as a name because that's, it's like... A puss river just yeah. oozing like through. Gunge from Funhouse. Yeah, sewage town. Ugh. It must have been because it was so full of crap. Like when the Vikings were there, when it was Jorvik, it was basically just a floating stream of feces. Yeah, it must have just been gunky. Oozing. They started dating and they just completely fell in love. Oh. And so in 2003, they were due to be married. And Neil, being into electronics and computers, he was, like, at the forefront of social media. I mean, 2003. Was there even Facebook? No. It wasn't even MySpace. So, the hottest social media platform was Friends Reunited. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Like, my mum was totally going to have an affair. I'm sure so many people... She wasn't. She was like, oh, I just want to find my ex-boyfriend. Like, I just want to see what he looks like. And, like, if you do that... I'm going to tell dad. I'm not happy. <laughs> but I bet that happened to so many people. Yeah. Who didn't that, have vigilant daughters. But that was exciting because they hadn't kept in touch on Facebook like everyone does now. Yeah, there's for no... For years and years. It there's was no like, thrill now, is there? I've literally... They literally hadn't seen... See, I know a load of shit about people that I didn't even talk to at school. Yeah. So he po- he would post on there. Not even find his friend. He would just like post on there about his life because the blogs weren't... That's great back then. And he was saying, boasting about how she was the most amazing woman and he couldn't wait to marry her and she was just everything to him. Their friends described them as being like polar opposites. She was dynamic and energetic and just loved life. And Neil was more quiet and reserved and sometimes described him as being like uncomfortable. 
socially, but on the internet, he really was very public and very displayed everything. Or displayed a picture, at least. And what he got his nuts out. As in like a a projection. It's like chat roulette. God, do you remember when we did go on chat roulette? Yeah, I just saw a bunch of penises. I went on on my own once dressed as Where's Wally because I think I'd been on a Where's Wally night out. And then I was like, I was like, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, we found Wally. No, just penises. I was like, this is wasted on all of you. So... They did get married, Rachel and Neil, and they went to live in Droitwich, still in England for a while. She taught English and drama at a school locally, and he worked in computing for a defence company called Kinetic. It's spelt with a Q. It's basically like hairdressers, how there's no hairdresser in the world that bothers to spell it cuts with a c like it's some somewhere there's a rule that you cannot open a hairdresser unless you spell something wrong (laughs) and it annoys so kinetic has been spelled q i n e t i q no they don't give a shit just (laughs) so this is basically the hairdressers of defense companies and i didn't realize how annoyed it made me until i had to say it on a podcast like kinetic's an unusual enough word just to spell it normally like, that's not been taken. You can spell it as it is. Well, I suppose maybe it's defence is like secret. If we make this name indecipherable, <laughs> then when people drive past, they won't have a fucking clue what we do here. <laughs> anyway, so that's where he worked. Good and sense, that. So it seemed like his work was sort of secret. So he wouldn't really be able to tell his family what it was that he did, or Rachel's family, which helped him out later. The fact that he was already, could be vague about his job. And he would joke on Friends Reunited, because where else would you post inappropriate jokes, um, that he was making bombs for a living. And, yeah, good one. And he commented doing the whole, oh, I'd tell you more, but if I did, I'd have to kill you. Which now everyone's like, it was obvious he's a murderer. But how many people make yeah. that joke, oh, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. As a, not me, like creepy guys in the office. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure his job, like, he did an electronics degree. It's not like he did computer science. He's probably just going around. He's the guy that says, turn it off, turn it on again. No, have you tried turn it off and on again? That's his job. I am pretty sure. He's fixing the photocopier, most likely. But. Fucking photocopiers, though. They screw up every time. (laughs) You have to open every drawer. And every lever. I love it in a way. When I fix a jam in the photocopier, I feel like Bruce Willis or something in Die Hard. I'm like, I diffused this photocopying disaster. I like it when someone. I have disarmed this weapon of mass reproduction. (laughs) So, anyway, as we know, so he's still a big fan of social media and ahead of his time. So, there was no Facebook or Instagram for him to put out his life and his every waking moment so he had to actually create his own website that he could put his holiday pictures on and his honeymoon photos on i mean it was dedication to boasting for friends and in april 2005 they had a baby that they called lillian rose and so then the website was just full of pictures of her like tons of albums the website is still it's archived you can find it and I looked at it because I thought I was hoping maybe he'd have written something by the way I'm a murderer (laughs) you have to check there's a picture of his baby with like a blooded knife in the background no it's just kind of sad seeing the pictures of them knowing that they're dead it wasn't fun to do 
So I won't recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I didn't know that baby was going to die. I told you at the beginning there'd be a dead baby. Yeah, well, I didn't know it was his baby. Oh, okay, sorry. But they did have a, a guest book section on the website where people are supposed to, you know, leave a comment. But nobody had. So, at the one hand, I was like, oh, disappointing. We can't get to see what people thought of them. But then also, the absence of any comment probably shows that everyone was like, can you fuck off with your baby pictures, please? Like, I don't actually want to see it happen. And it's not like Facebook where you can judge, oh, I've got this many friends, or Instagram, I've got this many followers. Like, who knows if anyone gave a shit about his website? (laughs) But he was constantly posting everything. It was so over the top trying to show this domestic bliss. It'd be like... Lillian's first adventure to York. Lillian's first 4th of July. Lillian's first shit in my mouth. Like, (laughs) everything was just out there. So, and he was just trying to be perfect. Like, it was all love, 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 love. We're having a fabulous time. So, by the end of 2005, they had decided to move to Massachusetts so that Rachel could be near her family. And originally they stayed in a town called Carver with her parents. And it seemed that Neil's job back in England, they thought that he was working remotely, basically. He wasn't looking for work. He kept saying, like, don't worry about money. Everything's fine. And because he couldn't really talk about his job back before, they didn't really ask many questions. And Rachel's parents just assumed... Oh, either he's got a lot of savings or he's just doing computer work via the internet. Like, it must be fine. And he got on really well with her family. And her dad was the one that she would take him down to this gun club and he taught him how to shoot guns. And he would use it his gun collection that he had at his house. Then, in January of 2006, they moved into their own house. And it was massive. Like, again, they really were showing like that they had the perfect life that we are the ultimate family it was a big house like four bedrooms and it and this was in a small town called Hopkinton which is a little way away from there and it is a very small town like really quiet lovely place it seems it's weird for us to kind of imagine because small towns in America really are quite remote and the same in Australia isn't it where you, you literally have to drive for hours to get to any kind of shopping area or um even like the supermarket for some people whereas i guess in the uk we're never that far from a city oh no like if you're if you're living in the country you're half an hour drive yeah we're gonna get to you whereas they were quite remote which i think was i think that would go a bit mad just always being in a small town i can't imagine it well they didn't actually live there for long it would only be a little over a week right oh shit so we can't blame the small town for this. Do I need to warn you again about the reason for why? Are we, are we prepared for what's yeah, about to happen? Yeah, I get it happen? now. Rachel um, called up an old friend, Joanna Gately, about eight days after they'd uh, moved in, and arranged for her to come over for dinner. So Joanna turned up at the house. She could see lights on upstairs and knocked on the door, and nobody answered. And she was waiting for ages, and then, this is odd. So she called the police straight away. Oh shit, she didn't know about. No, and they went in because they was just like, this is not like them. Why would they? They've arranged for me to come here. Mm. Why are they not answering the door? Something's wrong. So they went in. The police went in and did a welfare check, but they couldn't find anyone at home. They had a quick look around the rooms and didn't see anyone there. 
They did notice that a bed was unmade and the sheets were sort of crumpled up, but didn't notice that there were two bodies underneath the covers and just left. I mean, you think you would notice, don't you? Well, I was like, she's described, Rachel's described as being petite. Yeah. But, I mean, if I was under a cover, it'd look like the fucking Himalayas. You'd spot me. Joanna, being a good friend, she stayed in the driveway all night. Oh, bless her. It was January, so she was in her car. It was, like, freezing temperatures. She really wants this dinner. She's like... She's not eating for a long time. <laughs> you promised me food. I've got nothing at home. It. I'm waiting this one out. But yeah, she stayed there and because she was like, something is wrong. She wasn't satisfied. She was like, I need to wait for them to come back or what? Yeah, fair play to her. So the next day was a Sunday and there's still no sign of them. So she contacted Rachel's parents and they filed a missing persons report. So this time two officers came and did a more thorough search of the house. And this time they said, literally just the next morning, but this time they said that when they went in, they could smell something really bad, really strong. Eventually, they did go upstairs and lift the covers to find Rachel cradling her baby, Aww. Lillian, both dead. It was really they couldn't work out what happened. It's not clear. It, to me, it seems like if two people have been shot, which is what happened, it should be a mess. Yeah. But so he'd obviously there'd been a mass either a massive cleanup or i don't know because it wasn't really discussed or in any of the articles or documentaries that i watched but they said that there seemed to have been one shot that killed both of them originally they thought lillian had been shot through the abdomen and that bullet had gone through into rachel oh god and killed them both oh how awful it is horrendous i think i mean i've I've read and I've heard people saying that if you do cover over a body, it's because you know them, you know that person. It tends to be, if they're covered, it's because you don't want to look at them because you have a prior relationship. Whereas if it was a stranger, they tend to just leave them uncovered. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they said. Because actually, then when it was in trial later, Neil had said, I was trying to close them off. Yeah. Like, he was trying to cover it over because he couldn't, bear to see it or basically what you've just said so yeah that's right but hopkinton being a small little town they hadn't had a murder in 11 years so the police force was like what do we do yeah there's like guys who'd been working there like i've never had to do this like where are the forms (laughs) like what is the protocol i mean obviously they know their job but if you've not had to do something for 11 years like you've slept a lot since then you're not gonna be as sharp and they weren't as sharp because they traipsed all over the crime scene. Well, no, but they'd missed some massive things, like the fact that in autopsy, they found that Rachel had actually been shot in the forehead. Like, how do you go, whereas on the crime scene investigation, no one had noticed this. <laughs> like, how oh, do you not on. see a bullet hole in someone's head when you're looking at a body? I don't know. I mean, you'd think even the untrained eye... Would see a hole in the head. You'd, you'd think. You would think. So I don't know how they managed it. Unless it was just such a horrendous scene that were like, quick, get in and get out. Like, we're not used to <laughs> don't this. Don't look at them. Yeah, cover them back over. Like, I'm done. Burn it all. <laughs> but the police did call the Boston airports and they found that Neil had flown back to England at 8.15 on the Saturday morning, so before Joanna had arrived, with a one-way ticket to the UK. 
when he arrived, he'd driven from Heathrow up to York, presumed to get some stuff, and then back to his parents' house in Worksop. So, I mean, that's what everyone does. When they're in the shit, panic, mum and dad's house. Straight away. That's what I'd do. That's what I'd do. I mean, if I had to run from anyone, they'd find me, because I'll be in my bedroom at mum and dad's house. (laughs) Yeah. With my dressing gown. Um, But the reporters... So it was massive news. They contacted the UK straight away. It was news in the UK that we think this man is here. It was big news in America... And the reporters were outside his mum and dad's house being like, oh, we're waiting for them to come out and let us know where their son is while he was in the house. Plus, they didn't know he was there. So That's how fast the he'd been yeah. to get there. Um, so while they were doing that, he was actually inside. He was on the phone to an officer in the US. And they'd called him to just say, do you know what's happened? And they said, your wife and child have been killed. And he just went, Yeah. Oh, like, and he was like did you know that and he was like yeah like no emotion you can listen to a s- sections of the phone call it was a two hour long phone call I've not done that I mean it's, do you know because like obviously he's English so you'd think I'd be able to tell what he's saying but listening to one American one English person one Boston one like Nottinghamshire accent switching between accents I found really difficult Really? Like, to tune into what he's saying and then someone else talks in a totally different way. Yeah. You have to really, like, think about... So I found it really difficult to actually listen to. <laughs> I know what you mean. We listened to... Um, we were watching uh, Remains. There's a, there's a poem by Simon Armitage called Remains and we were watching... Um, it's kind of based on a documentary and there's a, about a soldier talking about his time in the Iraq War and it's a UK accent. But I was like, what the hell is he saying? It was just a really thick accent. So while Neil's on the phone, the police officer is saying, like, how did this happen? Like, if you knew, like, you didn't... Because he didn't call 911. He just left. Yeah. So it's already raising suspicions. And he basically told a story about how he had popped to the shops to go and get some computer stuff. Unspecified. And then when he'd come back, he'd found them like that. Been like, I must leave immediately. Well, he said basically, I just knew I had to hurt myself, I had to kill myself. So he's like, I went downstairs and got a knife, and then I realized this was gonna hurt. So I couldn't, I was like, well, if you're contemplating killing yourself, I I guess people do, don't they? If you contemplate killing yourself, they're like, oh, actually, I can't go through with it because it's horrid. Well, I guess that's why a lot of people choose like pills and things. I guess that's why pain was invented. Yeah. To look after you. But apparently, but he said he couldn't go through with it. So then he decided, right, well, I'll go and drive to her father-in-law, my father-in-law's house, where he keeps his guns, and I'll shoot myself. That'll be easier. So he got there, and there was no one in. So he said, well, I changed my mind at the last minute and decided I've just got to go home to my mum and dad. So drove to the airport and flew home. But making it sound like it's an impulse decision, flying transatlantic is not an impulse decision flying anywhere is not an impulse (laughs) decision they make it like that on purpose you have to wait you have to queue if anyone was doing it on a whim you have so much time like i've had holidays planned been queuing at security like do we really want to go because i've had enough (laughs) you get a lot of thinking time yeah you get a lot of time to question existence (laughs) when you're waiting particularly if you're at luton airport Ugh. 
So that's what he said happened. And he said that, basically, he felt an intruder had come in the house while he'd been out. That must have been what happened. So then um, he began to arouse further suspicion because he didn't go to the funeral in America that was held for his wife and child, which is massive. Why, If you think your wife and child have been murdered, you'd fucking go and see them. But of course he didn't want to go back to America because he knew he'd be arrested. Yeah. So five days after the funeral, he'd left his parents' house and a couple of days later, the extradition order had come from the US so they could, the British police could actually arrest him. So they stopped him at a tube station in London and he was arrested and searched and they found in his possession a letter to his parents which basically said, oh, um, I've got to keep myself safe. If anyone asks, say I'm staying with a friend and basically just admitting the fact that he was trying to flee and get away. So during the following... So he was taken to America and during the investigation... Um, lots of facts were revealed about Neil that showed that his social media persona of being a doting husband and father was not the case at all. So first of all, his job, he hadn't kept his job in America and he was massively in debt. He's about £30,000 in debt so with credit cards. So he was just money for this life. Yeah, he was just renting things and just borrowing money. He didn't have it. So then he was trying to make money with various, like, get-rich-quick schemes. He was using, like... He was basically, like, an internet scammer. Yeah. So he was... When you get spam email that's like, oh, do you want to make money fast? Do this. Well, he would do things like, oh, help... I'll set you up making your own porn website. You can earn millions of pounds if you sign up and I'll do it. How did this single mother earn £15,000 in one week? She fucking didn't. She took photos of her own asshole. (laughs) Someone looks at it. She sold her used underwear. Now that is a good way to make money. Yeah, on Orange is the New Black where they sell all their stinky pants. Mm. There can't be that much of a market for it because why aren't we doing it? I think there is. Donate £50 to Patreon and you get a pair of underwear. Someone would do that. Someone would do that. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I've got a couple of people in mind. (laughs) Well, they can't have mine because my dogs chewed a lot of them first. It's disgusting. And then you wear them? No. Well, they're in the bin. Thank God. Oh. (laughs) That is grim. Sorry, why is he... Because he misses me. Oh, (laughs) we're loose. I don't know how to recover. (laughs) Um, So that was one of the ways that he would make money. He also would try and sell software and computer services on eBay as well. But he would basically sell it and then not fulfill his obligations so there was actually a post on ebay about him saying look don't do any business with this guy he's dodgy and then when they were searching his computer they it revealed that he was a member of a so many dodgy websites like swingers websites um trying to elicit escorts and prostitutes he was trying on loads of different sites for meeting people for casual sex and he'd been on these websites when Rachel had first moved back to America with Lillian and he was going to join them later. He was back in England trying to find hookers. And then when he got to the US, he created a profile on a website called Adult Friend Finder where he was advertised, like, look, he said he was looking for American women of all ages 
and he wanted to see if they were better in bed than the women across the ocean and just non-stop after it. Did you get any luck for that? I don't know. Do you remember when Gumtree used to have the casual hookups bit? Did you ever see that? No. That was... I used to read that when I was at uni. It was so funny. So graphic. I think it's like Craigslist in America where they've got like a casual sex bit, which is weird. But yeah, it used to be on Gumtree and it used to be really weird. No. Yeah, I don't know if him. I assume he might have done unless you, he's just... Unless he's just doing it online and that satisfies him to talk about it. Yeah. But in January of 2006, so just a couple of weeks before the actual murder, he had spoken to someone online and said, oh, I am currently in a relationship, but I'm looking for more fun in the bedroom. And he, they saw that he'd logged into these websites before the murder, on the day of the murder, and in the days afterwards when he'd fled back to England, he was still logging in to these sites. So, during the trial they had done some tests on Rachel's father's gun collection and they found that the gun that had been used to shoot the two girls was one of his. So at this point... I mean, that's enough evidence in itself, isn't it? Well, he had to change his story, didn't he? Yeah. So he then came up with the story that he'd seen... When he got home, he'd seen Rachel and Lillian with the gun next to them and realised there was an intruder she'd killed herself and her baby and he was like I have to protect her honor like people can't know that she's committed suicide this would be horrendous and he took the gun and drove it back to his father-in-law's house and hid it and then panicked and flew home so that was his new story that she'd done it herself and his defense lawyer is vehement even now she's like yes like suicide is such a big taboo of course you'd want to hide it I was like I know it's horrible but I don't think I'd be... Does it protect them to pretend it didn't happen? If she was... If you are, like, reasons why she might be depressed, they say, like, oh, you know, she's moved to a new place, she's just had a new baby. Well, she hadn't just had a new baby. It was, like, a year old. Like, this defence always going on with all these reasons why she could be depressed and could have done it. It's like, I don't think you'd hold any of those against her and be like, we must cover it up. You'd be like, people need to know how awful that I was, think, if it's yeah. true. And if it was true, I don't think you would be able to just be like oh, I tried to cover it up if your child's been killed. I know you'd feel sad for your partner, but you'd you'd also be quite angry, I think, that they'd killed your child, and that would be... Well, what effort as well? If if someone had committed suicide, like, oh, God, this is horrible, like, I don't really want people to think that they were a bad person, but then to have to go through all the effort of a murder investigation, surely that's more painful. Yeah. But after this, towards the end, the most controversial footage from the trial was when Neil was shown the police video as they went into the crime scene and he was shown the video of their bodies so I'm hoping that I can show it to you and get your initial reactions from it yeah if that's okay so I'm going to show you the video now of Neil being shown the video of his wife and child and I want you to say describe what he's doing and what you think it shows (laughs) it's fine Okay, so there's a really there's a woman who looks like a toad. So, yeah, that's his lawyer, <laughs> and he looks like a kid at Christmas. Is he watching it now? He's watching it now, and he's putting it. He's almost looks like he's giggling. So he's got his hand over his face, sort of giggling, and then, and then oh, he is laughing. He's pissing himself. 
But some people do look like they're laughing when they cry. No, that's a genuine smile. Yeah, yeah so creepy eyes. I'm I'm su- I'm not surprised you said that, but there's a lot of discussion about it where some people are because basically he's trying to look as if he's crying. His eyes are completely dry. There's nothing there, and he's smiling like he's smiling. So but that's such a bad impression of crying that it's the opposite. Yeah, it's that lolling at a joke. It looks like it. Like it genuinely looks as though if you didn't know that he was watching a video of his dead wife, you'd think he was watching You've Been Framed. Yeah, or Family Guy. And so some people are really like, how can you judge him for this? Like some people are awkward when they cry. Maybe that's what he looks like when he cries. No. That's what I look like when I watch Bob's Burgers. I love it. <laughs> and then and then some people are saying that obviously he's laughing and then trying to hide his face with his hands so you can't tell. And I looked at a couple of things and. Some and like a lot of psychologists are saying, look, this is obvious, obvious psychopath. Like where you can't, you. It's not like he's trying to. He's not like he's suddenly broken down and he just looks weird. Some people are saying like he looks weird because he's a psychopath, and they're like, no, he's a psychopath. He ha- he doesn't feel bad. No, yeah. saying that's what it is. He doesn't have that connection so to it. He doesn't fake an emotion that he's not feeling. Yeah, and then that's why he's giving himself away. Yeah, and it is shocking to see in a way because you can't believe that that's actually the face he pulled. Because it's like it's a really happy smile. Yeah, and some people have gone so far as to say like he's obviously quite sadistic and like is enjoying watching it. And there is lots of evidence that shows that he premeditated this murder. He had searches on his computer for how to murder someone, how to make it look like suicide, like lots of things like that he was the fact that he got didn't call 911 got a one way ticket the fact that he was looking for sex from other people the whole time lots of things the fact that he'd only rented his house and car and not bought it like all just goes to the fact that he was planning this but there's not much evidence to say that he was like sadistic about it other than that creepy smile like up until that point you could have thought he's a massive dick he's got no money he's in a hole he doesn't know how to get out of it but he just but that video of him laughing so uh, do you think all the online stuff they're like yay we're the perfect family is that all just him setting up for um oh, I, I think that's the mask murder. yeah i think that's definitely the mask but and people do that now mind. in so many different ways with social media that's what everyone does is you're not going to put anything up but... Uh, yeah on social media on facebook you're either like everything's great i'm i look amazing all the time and Oh, have you seen that Black Mirror where um, she orders the robot and he looks better than he actually looked in real life? And she's yeah. like, it's all social media pictures of people looking better than they actually did. So it almost seems to be polar opposites. Yeah. It's the extremes. I guess it's like an extreme version of life. Definitely it is. And I don't think... Because you don't have the same inhibitions online to tone it down, do you? De-individuation. Yep. Lucy's saying smart shit today. Yeah. And I didn't even have a wash, so... Not to die. I'm not, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> so the jury, after 11 hours, which apparently is a short amount of time for a case like this, but 11 hours, like, that would have taken them two days, possibly, because I wouldn't go for 11 hours straight. No. But they discussed it for that long, and then they did return a unanimous verdict of guilty, and Neil was sentenced to life in an American prison. Um, but he showed I watched the video when he got the verdict he showed no emotion he like blinked and then tried to shake his head and go no but he didn't seem like he was like he wasn't sad about it he was just like ugh fine yeah. I kind of expected it yeah 
And you got me. Yeah, like, oh, well, I suppose I did leave a fucking computer trail. Like, yeah. to say he was into computer science as well. I okay. mean, like, ugh. Come on. Tor. At the very least, Tor. <laughs> so his parents, who'd been it there and watched the whole... I mean, they didn't go to the fucking funeral, but they were there for the trial the whole time. They vehemently protested his innocence. And his mum was a dinner lady in an English school. So you can imagine, like, a fucking bulldog with a bee sting. Like, yeah. di- I mean, dinner ladies are like, they're not born. They're, like, moulded in the fires of Mordor. Like, she, they're scary. Yeah. And so her wrath is not worth it. Never fuck with a dinner but lady. But they totally are on his side. They're, they And they actually go so far as to say, like, Rachel, who's obviously been killed she was shot in the forehead for god's sake they're like she's the one who killed our grandchild and like actually go against her which is horrible but see i mean if it's the same bullet what is she holding the child in front i mean it's ridiculous so there's recent updates there was an update about neil just last year in 2016 partly the 10th anniversary of the crime but also it was thought that he had revealed some new details about the case to his pen pal Heather Standelt. So she is an interesting looking lady. She looks like if one of the scissor sisters. Really? Um and Neil sort of looks like Hugh Grant but stretched wider. Yeah. So it's an odd pairing, but I suppose when you're in prison like you don't actually give a fuck. So he would write to her about how they had sexy letters to each other. He was writing about how he needed to find the perfect leg. I mean, his priorities have shifted. I don't get... Like, it's all about legs. Yeah. Now, like, when he was out of prison, it was like, swingers, murders. Now he's in prison, it's like, just legs. I just want a leg. Don't want it too thin, don't want it too fat, don't want it too short, don't want it too long. It's got to have the right girth. He was very specific about his wants for the perfect leg. What? But I don't, I don't understand why you're convicted of murder... You should have a list of people you can write to. People that you knew before the crime. Why are they allowed to write to just any old woman who's like, oh, do you want to chat? I think people don't want to write to you, though. (sighs) And then they can ramble on about anything, whereas if you know them, you don't want to listen about No, but why are are murderers allowed to write to people? I think it should be banned. Um... Is it? Do they think you think? Oh, if you forge, if you make relationships with people, that when you get out, you'll be more rehabilitated. I don't think it should be banned because I think since last week's episode, where we talked about this extreme solitary confinement, yeah, and then and stuff you should know uh, did a really good episode on solitary confinement recently. Well, check it out and all the stuff. So I kind of feel like actually denying communication is a very like extreme thing to do to people and there's lots of reasons i mean i also went on a website that was called write a prisoner something like that i've looked at that um and they were discussing neil and whether they and they lots of people saying that i will write to murderers but i won't write to child murderers or i'll write to these people but not if they killed someone they know and like they have their different boundaries i'm not sure heather's one of these people she sent her a picture she sent a picture of her legs she was well up for that and he said apparently they're perfect I mean if they're anything like his face then I think that's a you know criteria for Broadmoor here because they're not going to be perfect and so they had this weird letter 
where they were talking about what people are like in the moments before they die. She'd had, I think, a husband or someone close to her had died and she'd been there. And she was saying about how awful it was to see the light go from him. And then so he was like, yeah, I know what you mean. Because when my wife died, as her eyes met mine, the moment before she fired that fatal shot, which, although he's still maintaining, she killed herself. At no point in the trial did he say he was there. He always said that he arrived home and found her. So obviously everyone freaked out because he's admitted he was in the house at the time. And if he's going to say he was in the house at the time, then it's most likely he probably shot her. Yeah. Which the jury decided anyway, but that's what Heather... And so Heather's not writing to him now. She's like, it was fine when he was jizzing over my legs. But... And when I thought you knew he was a convicted murderer anyway. So I'm not too sure. I mean, she said that she started writing to him because she thought he was innocent. And now she knows that he's guilty. But I don't know what to believe. She sold a story to a newspaper. So it's always going to be, what's your motive here? Do you just want more people to think you've got perfect legs? Yeah. That is one way to get it out to the world that I've got nice legs. I mean, I... I'm not saying that's her number one motivation. I'm just saying it could be like a byproduct. <laughs> leg of the year. And there's no leg. Gamma of the month. You don't get leg models, do you? It's like they're all or nothing a bit. Those models, the people that... great legs and shit feet. Yeah, you have lots of leg models in the adverts for um, shaving. Oh, yeah. No, but they usually show the face as well. And have you seen, if you watch any advert for shaving or waxing of legs, they're always shaving or waxing a totally hairless leg oh yeah every time why are they doing that because even even in an advert about removing hair they cannot bear to show that a woman has hair even that she's getting rid of it that's how freaked out people are about revealing that their body grows hair shit isn't that mad and until you until you think about it you don't realise and now I see it all the time but then when they do the cartoon version they show the little hairs Oh, in a cartoon? Because, yeah, in a cartoon we can show leg hair. Real life will never show a woman's leg hair. How dare she? How dare she? How very dare she? Even when she's removing it, she needs to be hairless. Yeah. My leg twin is Zoe Deschanel. That's the end of my story. (laughs) Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Okay, so my murderer is pretty much exactly the opposite of yours. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say the same because last week was a bit like, what did we do? Mine's exactly the opposite. So but... he killed an old man. No. Oh, okay. He was a baby. No. <laughs> You'll find out. But mine definitely takes the prize for... Oh, you're just awarding yourself the prizes no, now. No, the best name. Okay. Best name we've done. Okay. Um, if, you, if your last name was Fell, any first name you give your child is going to be a little bit funny. Fell? Fell. So, say you call your child Sarah. It's going to be like, Sarah Fell. Almost like they fell over. Well, they went one better. His parents called him Peter. Pete, I don't get it. Peter fell. <laughs> I mean, it might... only works if you say it in that way. Sorry, I've got. I've spent that. a lot of time. <laughs> say it again. Saying Peter fell to sound more, as much like pedophile as I possibly can. Peter fell. Peter fell. I don't know what accents are the Peter. best. Peter fell. Peter fell. You. I mean, you wouldn't last. You might as well call them Nancy Fiddle Child. <laughs> like. It's not a good name. I said fiddle. Right. So, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> There's only me. So, yesterday Where was... This is a conversation. Yesterday was Red Nose Day. So, obviously, I was directing the children in a music video <laughs> for the Red Nose Day Half song. Half your working week is directing children in music videos from the I soundtrack. know. I do it a lot. I mean, we've had a lot come up. It was World Book Day, music video, Red Nose Day, music video... A woman is having a hundredth birthday in the village. We've got to do a fucking music video. Like, it's my job. It's music. Anyway, so I was direct. So I was like, okay, can you just? My class are quite good at it by now because they've starred in a lot. Like, oh, another one. I'll just so go get like, my glow bands. So I was like, okay, can you get into three rows, please? Tall ones at the back, short ones at the front, and then sort yourselves out. And if there's any problems, I'll just fiddle with you. Oh. <laughs> and I just stopped and went. Oh my god! Did the kids say anything? They didn't say anything, but I just went bright red and was like, "They know I've said something I shouldn't have," but I just couldn't. I was like, like having a weird little panic attack that I said I was going to fiddle with the kids. I just went, and so I just went, "I will fiddle with your order." (laughs) That's worse. I know. I just showered it afterwards, like so. Now they know what the problem was a little bit. I was like, "Oh my gosh, how can I recover from this?" Jazz hands. That's my paedophile story. Uh, I think the fact you're doing a music video with kids makes you, you a suspect. <laughs> if they pay me to do it, it doesn't count. Okay, that, yeah, that's that's not the rule. That should never be the rule. Well, Peter Fell. It does sound like paedophile. Peter Fell did not do anything with children. There's no children involved in the story. Okay. So like, we can all take a breather. Okay, can we take... I just need to calm down now. It wasn't a premonition. I'm going to start with a crime for you. 10th of May, 1982. Anne Lee, 
and Margaret Johnson, age 44 and 66, were walking their dogs together. Now, at first I was like, that's quite an age gap for them to be mates. That's exactly what I was thinking. But then... You've got that weird old woman friend. But then I realised that my friend Beth, that I walked my dog with many a time, is 80. Yeah, you mentioned that before, and so, I still don't know. Is she coming to the Hendo? She's not replied. I think she's dead. <laughs> I love her. She's been eaten by a dog. I'm sorry. Like, I'm generally going to keep in touch with her. Um, what, if, on the other side? Um, so, they were out walking their dogs together on a piece of disused land in Aldershot, which my mother said is near London. <laughs> That's my research for the geography. Mum, where's Aldershot? <laughs> near London. Okay, done. Um... There's a bit of disused land near my house where I walk my dog quite a lot, so that was what I was picturing. It's kind of attached to a golf course, so I guess um, this is similar. It's just a bit of barren land that a lot of people go and walk their dogs on. You know, it's not like barren as in there's no grass there. It's just not used for anything. Uh, It was next to um, Anglesey House, which was used by the military, so it's just a little bit connected to that. The dog walkers, but they didn't find a body. They walked along a track alongside the fence um, about 3 p.m., and they were attacked by a man with a knife. The dogs weren't pulling their weight then, were they? Well, I thought that. I was like, I'm never scared walking my dog because I think he would he would come out and he'd save the day. But they must have had little dogs. Or dogs that just didn't care. Not my yeah, problem. Really ambivalent dogs. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm just sniffing this grass. I'm not being funny, but if you're going to feed me dry food for ten years, then <laughs> I'm not going to protect you. Yeah. So, if you're going to make me be a vegan dog, then <laughs> fuck you. So this was 3pm, a busy area. All the loads of other people... I thought we were in a barren wasteland. Well, it's... it's but, like, lots of people are walking there. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's, disused. It's just disused basics and par- popular. Yeah, it's a park no one knows. It's just, like... It's just, okay, so there's going to be, like, the usual crowd, the underage drinkers, the doggers. 3pm, it's just, just people walking their dogs. Okay. Going for a run. Okay. Strolling around. 15 minutes later, Molly Hogg, another dog walker, comes across their bodies. This is not a, a quiet area. There are people wandering around. It so they were found pretty quickly. 15 minutes. Anne Lee was face down um, and Margaret Johnson was on her side. And the dogs were still hanging around nearby. They were obviously just doing nothing to help but around. Um, the women Doing had, nothing to help. Doing nothing. Like... Make a tourniquet immediately. The women had died of multiple stab wounds to the back and upper body. Uh, Mrs. Johnson was four foot ten, which will be somewhat significant later on. Same height as Barbara Windsor. Um, Six witnesses reported seeing a young, dark-haired man near the area around the time of the attack. And two said he'd been wearing a camouflage jacket. So he was invisible. So, yeah, the rest of them basically just... I saw, said it was a floating I saw, head. Yeah, there was a floating head in some grass. The man was said to be slim and between five foot eight and five foot ten. Um, so a young man called Brian Hackney had been jogging on the common as well. So it was a busy area. Uh, he'd passed the women just 250 yards before the murder spot. So he'd just passed them walking. He'd been up in front of them. And, and yet a, nobody actually saw the event. No one saw there the event. It must have been like the, the time that he could have actually committed it. Must have been tiny. Really small. Um, a minute later, he had passed a man who looked who looked unhappy, apparently, uh, who had an army jacket and jeans on. So the same man uh, that right. people had reported. Must have been the man that, that committed the murder. I mean, literally, right a minute after he'd passed them, and then that must have been the window. 
No weapon was found. There was no evidence of a motive. Nothing was stolen. And there was no sort of sexual assault. Um, soldiers were on the common as well. So there's a, a small group of soldiers from the army base. And they said um, they'd seen a man. Um, they'd asked him if he'd seen where any cars were. I don't know what the conversation was. And he'd said, there are some jeeps down there. Now that's going to be relevant later on as well. So I need to remember, short woman, jeeps. Yeah. Uh, a lorry driver was also seen crying near the area as well. Um, what is going on today? <laughs> I know. But I mean, I guess when you start looking into things, witnesses come, come forward with whatever they've seen as weird. Now, if dogging tales is to be believed, then most lorry drivers are having sex with strange women when they're out and about. I don't know. I don't know if that's relevant. I think it was just a sad lorry driver. Just regretting his choices. So the day after the attack, an anonymous call was made to Aldershot Police Station. The call wasn't recorded, but there were some notes that someone wrote down, um, the person who'd taken it. The caller had said they had met a man in the pub and had talked, who had talked about the murders, saying he was sorry he'd done it. So down the pub, someone was blabbing their mouth off. And they said they knew his address, and they said the address. Police didn't respond... Someone's just confessed to a murder. Yeah, I'll just ignore that. But then the caller rang back. Like, (laughs) I'm at the address. Yeah. What's happening? The next day, giving Peter Fell's address. So he he was like, realised that no one had been to check on him, so he rang them again. Yeah. Good on that person. Peter Fell made both calls. What? (gasps) Oh my God, I just got like a chill down my spine. So... (gasps) Two weeks later... He was like, please arrest me. Two weeks later, <gasps> Fell was questioned and ruled out as a suspect. <laughs> Your face. He looked like a Sesame Street Muppet <laughs> with their mouths <laughs> wide open and you can literally see the little... I just they bothered to sew minute. on the little tonsil thing. Yeah. So we were playing uh, beer pong last night and then I was like, at one point, I got down at the edge of the table. That I sounds was- like a really bad edit. <laughs> Like a muppet. Yes, we're playing beer pong. Like that's genuinely. This thing's been changed from there. The point was is that I got down on the end of the table and was like, open my mouth wide. I was like, get it in my mouth. And then it was with people that I work with, and the deputy just shouted across the table, "Oh my god, look at the size of her mouth!" (laughs) I'm like, all right, everyone. I'm just trying to make it easy for you. So if you ever get to meet Emma and I, I'm the one with the small mouth, and she's the one with the big one. Yep. They went and questioned him two weeks after these phone calls and after the murder. And they said, can't be you, piss off now. Yeah, so they said he was not able to be at the common because of the time. They also said because they had no motive, but there was no motive for anyone. Anyway, yeah. Um, So they left it at that, he was ruled out. So he said during this interview that he had not visited the common at these times. He said he was at the pub, then he went home, and then he went to work. I mean, that's a weird order, isn't it? Start with the pub then go home and then go to work so he's called the police saying that he has done the murder yeah but so he obviously is trying to incriminate himself yeah but then when interviewed he's given a story that, that, that he doesn't hasn't done it. that says he hasn't done it so he's denied it yeah um that's the definition of wasting everyone's time a little bit so he said he'd been wearing a blue jacket and grey trousers no on the day of the shit. murder. No one gives a shit. You weren't even there, apparently. Uh, what the, is he doing? 
Well, God knows. I mean... Uh, come on. At least the guys that were in Broadmoor last week, he was like, yeah, my parents abused me, so I kill people because I want to kill them. I can get on board with that logic. I don't know what his story is. I confess to things and then take it back. Yeah, I know. It's not normal. Um, his house was searched. No green jacket was found. Could have got... I mean, someone could get rid of a jacket. Pretty easy. Um, charity shop. Done. Also said he never owned a knife other than a pen knife with a one inch blade. How are you cooking? Yeah. Who doesn't I've own I've never a owned any knives. I have no knives. I just mash my food with my own teeth. Although I do use scissors for a lot of chopping. Do you? Pizza. Pizza. Chicken. Yeah. It is much easier with chicken. So police um, basically ruled out foul after their questioning and said he couldn't have been there given where he said he was and um, the fact that people had seen him at work. And then they didn't have a motive, so they just said, it's probably not this guy. So um, he moved to Bournemouth, um, got married and had a child. Okay. Um, So he's bumped off all the old women in this village, and so now he's going to where there's hundreds of old women. Old people city. Uh, So over a year later... 4th of June 1983, Fell began to make a series of anonymous phone calls to the police. So he's already been ruled out. He starts phoning again. About the same murder? About the same murder. Giving his own address. In Bournemouth. And name. He's in Bournemouth. He was drunk when he made these calls. Like, very drunk. Phoning at the police, basically saying, I know who did it, and then telling them it was him. Like, saying himself. So he could have done it, and then when he's drunk, he's like, oh, I can't cope. Or he could have... Because if you're just like, I love confessing to things, like, pick a new one. Yeah. Like, they've ruled you out of that one. Like, if you just want to waste their time, you have to come up with a new new murder Mm. to confess to. I mean, people tend to be more honest when they're drunk. I don't like that theory. No. No, because I'm horrid when when they're drunk. I'm horrid when I'm drunk, and I think I don't... That's not me. I wouldn't say that. You are horrid when you're drunk. Sometimes. You're just petulant child when you're drunk. (laughs) I will not chew this food. I will let it fall in my mouth and choke myself to death. That's not normal. You will be forced to save my life because (laughs) I'm not doing anything. You're bratty when you're drunk. So Fell had been working as a sales rep at Olin Mills Portrait Studios in Aldershot at the time and some new information came to light. Fell's employer um, had asked staff to come in to work at 3pm on the 10th of May, the day of the murders. So he'd phoned them all and said... And that's when it happened? Yeah. He'd phoned them all and said, can you come in at 3pm? Now two of Fell's colleagues, two women, said they were confident of this and it was on that day, as they had both objected because they had to collect their children from school before work. So they started kicking off saying, that's not going to happen, mate. Yeah. Um, I mean... Three o'clock is a ridiculous time because three o'clock is the sort of time when you're in the middle of something. And also... One o'clock, I've not yeah. started yet. Five o'clock, I've finished. Three o'clock, I'm in the middle of whatever I wanted to do that day. Well, I think they normally had to go in at four and he was like, can everyone come in an hour early? But having a kid you don't have much flexibility they are always fucking there like you can't just be like oh i haven't got a kid today they're always there this is why i haven't got children yet this is why no one should have children like i want to go to the shops i have to take the child with me so they got to work at 4 p.m they basically voted with their feet and were like nah um and they both said that fell wasn't there when they arrived oh so they said he arrived five or ten minutes later and he was smartly dressed for a change I mean a bit bitchy but 
Now, Fell's alibi relied on the fact that someone cashed a cheque from his account between two and four that day. So the idea was that he Anyone couldn't... Anyone could cash a cheque. Yeah, they couldn't... He had been there because he'd been in the bank between the time that he was in the pub and at work when he'd be seen. Now, Fallon made out two cheques to cash that day um, and one of them had been processed at 3.47 by the bank clerk, but when questioned, she said that they did it in batches so that that cheque had to have come up sometime between 2.30 and 3.47 and that the bank was far enough away from the common that he wouldn't have been able to cash a cheque, run back. Right. So this was his alibi. So if Fell had brought it in, then he couldn't have done the murders. And if he hadn't, then he could be a suspect. Now, Fell and his girlfriend at the time... I'm assuming that's different from his fiancée that he married, but he must have worked quick then. But they had broken up on the 11th of May 1982, which was the day after the murder. And his girlfriend said that he had told her, if it wasn't for you, bitch, this never would have happened. I mean, that could have been anything. Global warming. The breakup. Him getting a UTI. Accident. Yeah, like anything. It could have been... It couldn't. It didn't have to be specific to the murder, but... That was brought up in court as well. Um, Fell had also apparently had a conversation with one of his colleagues who had said um, that she thought it was hard to believe how someone could kill two dog walkers. So obviously, it was a local murder. They were talking about it. And she would, she said, well, it's two against one. It seems really unlikely and surprising. And Fell had said he believed it was possible to immobilise one woman, kill the second, and then go back and kill the first. And... That's actually how they, when they looked at the crime scene, what had happened. But, amount of people who speculate, I mean, everyone who's watched The Staircase could be guilty then. If we're, if we're yeah. calling speculating and being right. And as well, if you just have to stab fast, because he knows that he's going to be stabbing. The women don't know that he's going to be stabbing. And he came from behind. So you could get someone in the back before the other person's noticed and then could do yeah. that. Like, anyone could guess that. Yeah. So that was similar to what had happened, so that was brought up as well, but I think that was a fairly logical thing to suggest. Fell's neighbour said Fell had told him he had an army knife, but when he had asked to borrow it later... I've never had any knife, remember? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But when he'd asked to borrow it later, Fell had thrown it away conveniently, so... This is spinning me out. Yeah. Like, I don't like an unsolved, so I'm, like, really hoping that eventually we're going to get to the evidence that means that he's done it. And I'm trying to work it out. Like, why is she short? Why are there jeeps? Why hasn't he done this murder? (laughs) So, apparently he's thrown this knife away. The neighbour made a statement saying he'd seen the knife and he said it was, like, a two-sided blade, so both sides were sharp. Um, But in earlier statements, the neighbour hadn't mentioned the knife. So it seemed... It was really weird that suddenly this neighbour's like, oh, yeah, I saw it, but never mentioned it before. Um, He went to a local weapons shop with with the police and he picked out one that looked similar and he said it looked a bit like this. And then the pathologist said, yeah, that could have been used. So... He's having to go to a lot of effort to get the police to think he did it. Like, just come to a knife shop with me. Please, just come to... that was the neighbour. Oh, so the neighbour took him and was like, oh, this is what I saw. The neighbour went to the knife shop and said, I think it was this kind of knife. And the pathologist said, yeah, that could have been the right kind of knife. But it's such woolly evidence in some ways. So, again, could go either way. Don't know. So, Fell's former fellow soldiers that he was at the war with 
also said Fowl had had knives when they was in Germany. Uh, yeah, stop pretending that you're spooning all your things. You're like, oh, I've never, I've never used a knife in my life. It's not going to happen. So they said he had knives when he was at war, and a lot of them said that they recalled him throwing knives at a door. This, I'm impressed with the investigation. To be fair, there's a lot of detail. Like to go to the effort of speaking to people that he knew many years ago. Did he ever touch a knife? This isn't. Yeah. Yeah, but why is that making like? a mentioned about piece of evidence that he used to throw knives at a door unless it's a woman or a door with a woman on it i say that's irrelevant it's like saying someone got hit by something being thrown across a room and he had like oh he used to have one of those bins with a little um hoop above it so he could throw things in a bin i mean it's it's a tenuous link i would yeah, say like if you smash someone with a hammer like oh well i saw them use a hammer to hang a picture 10 years ago yeah um, they didn't describe the knives as similar to the one that the neighbour had seen either. Well, who gives a shit? <sighs> I know. Like, you can pick up more than one knife. But when did using knives become, like, a yes or no thing? Like, have you ever used a knife? Yes. Have you used one? No. Okay, fine, you're free. Like, <laughs> knives are really common. I know. Why? I have a knife in my car, and I know I shouldn't. Oh, The shit. reason is... The reason is... Oh, no, that was it. The reason is I went to a friend's house, and I took a knife because we were making... <laughs> is your friend still alive? Yeah, we were making like some food, and I'd taken like a load of stuff and a knife to chop it up and things. She just moved in, oh. and then I was bringing the stuff home, and the knife was in the car, and I just forgot to take it out of the car, so it's in there now. Like knives are around now. That looks suspicious. That if, looks really suspicious. If I got pulled over, someone like, "Why do you have a knife in your glove box?" And I'm like, "Whoops, it's in my car, and I'm lazy as fuck." But never drive past a murder. But apparently, like all of a sudden, well, I've touched a knife, so I've murdered people now. Yeah, a little bit. Anything's evidence if you yeah. throw it in your face. Now, Mr. Hackney, the jogger of the day, I should go it? get that knife. Really, shouldn't I? <laughs> a little bit. Do you remember the jogger? The one who went past the and he the said ladies. he saw someone. Yeah. So he helped create a photo fit on the twenty first of May, which is eleven days after the murder. Um, another witness also provided a photo fit description and both were published on the 10th and 11th of June. So a couple of months after the, these had come out, people who saw them, a few people who saw them said it looked like fell. Right. Um, this was brought up at court. However, a lot of people had also phoned about the photos and said it looked like other people. Basically, it looked like a man with a face and people have phoned up and be like, I know a man with a face. And this looks a little bit like that man. We don't really need to know other people's opinion. If it's in court, all you have to do is go, here's the defendant, here's the picture, what do you think? Like, yeah. You don't need to know that Mary Bloggs thinks it looks like him. Like, I've got my own eyes. But the way they said it in court was like, oh, and loads of people said this looks just like Phil. Well, let me decide if it looks like him. Yeah. Um, so of 157 people, five said it looked like Phil, and 152 had said it looked like well, other people. this is ridiculous. So... Even Hackney had said it looked like quite a few people, one of them being fell. Like, five out of 157. That, that's yeah. rubbish. Rubbish. But you spin it, it sounds I, different. I'm getting a headache from this case. <laughs> it will all become clear. Fell was arrested in June 1983 for the murder. And murders. He was taken to Farnborough Police Station. On the way, they got in a car accident. So, unlucky. And Fell referred to the other car as a jeep. So we said, we were hit by a jeep. God. 
kind of conspiracy is it? That's the same word that the man on the common who talked to the soldiers had used. But again, to jeeps the car. are a thing. Like, yeah. jeeps are not exclusive to Peter Fell the same way that knives are not exclusive to Peter Fell. Plus, army cars are jeeps. Like, I've aren't heard they? of the word jeep. I think I've probably said the word jeep. I'm not in on it. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. You did the murder. I don't understand their logic. So, Fel like was... there is obviously some police officer who's like, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. but then the same. It's like an episode of yeah. Murder She Wrote where everything's a clue because it's all <laughs> bullshit. But remember, this guy has phoned up and given his own name a number of times as well. Yeah, like I mean, he should weird. be locked up for something, if only for the fact that he's irritating. He still has the power to irritate me now. <laughs> so, Fell was interviewed between the 5th and the 7th of July, 1983. During that time, he didn't eat at all. Um, he declined all food. Um, I mean, if I don't eat for seven hours, I'm arsey. Like, if I don't eat for three days, I will probably just say anything. Uh, he denied, again, owning a green jacket. Um, he admitted to the phone calls. He said he'd done it for attention. He denied having a right. knife, and he denied going to the common. So now he's saying, I just wanted attention. I didn't actually do it, Soz. Yeah. Um, he was taken to the common where the attacks had happened. And at first he was like, no, I've never been here. No, I don't know anything. And then he said, that fence looks a bit familiar. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I know. In that it's parallel to the edge of the field and it has vertical posts. Like, what? So, when he got back to the station, Fell said he thought he had been there and seen the fence that day. Have you seen um, the documentary The Confessions of Thomas Quick? No. He's a guy who, similarly, like, he... He's in an he was in an institution, a mental institution, but and he would just go around confessing to murders all the time. And the police would like take him on these trips to go and like see the scene and he'd be like, Oh yes, I remember it. There's a body around here somewhere and would like pretend and tell all these elaborate stories and he didn't do any of them. And he was just because con- he got days out from it and like if he'd said that he'd done something, like he'd get treats. Like they'd oh. get him buy him drinks and stuff while they're out and like and so it was like nice for him so he just kept confessing to murders for like lols <laughs> did he get sent down for any I can't remember I watched it a long time ago but like I say it was an institution already anyway so yeah. they were just like oh, so fair play so Fell then said in an interview that he was depressed that day and he had been on the common for about 10 minutes and he'd seen a man catching rabbits a man running two Land Rovers and a boy and a girl with white hair but that he hadn't seen the, the women or killed the women. Um, he was taken back to the common again to retrace his steps. Um, and he couldn't say where he'd been or where exactly he'd walked. But he did ask while he was there, what's the difference between murder and manslaughter? Which people started thinking, that's a bit weird. Later, he complained of flashes, saying that he was getting flashes back. He said he had he could see himself sitting on a concrete thing and seen two women who spoke to him and that he had attacked them. He also said about two dogs that were there and that had gone crazy. So apparently right. they were doing something. But I mean, this has been ages now. This has been years. Like, he's had time to see the newspapers and hear, like, he knows there'll been dogs there. Yeah. Like, he would have known that anyway. So then he said while he was being recorded that he had attacked one of the women with his fists and she'd fallen but didn't mention the other or a knife and he said the woman had reminded him of his mother. 
So this is the, the four foot ten one. His mother was very small. In the information given by Fell, um, he could have known any of it to be fair. It was all if they like if someone had done a lot of research, they could know it. It wasn't like at one article printed all this information, but like I know it. I yeah. could say I've done it now. Um Fell's mother did look a bit like the woman who was murdered, but she looked way more like the photo that was old and released to the press. So like like an old version of the woman like the woman years ago than a recent version. Basically she'd lost a lot of weight and his mother looked like the fat version of her. Fell was charged with murder and his trial took place in nineteen eighty four. The defence asked for the interviews to be left out. Um, so all the things... Because they're wrecking everyone's brains. Yeah, basically. Um, Fell had asked for legal representation a number of times and he'd You're been denied. You're going to need it. What? They wouldn't let him have legal representation? No, in the interviews. Like, he'd said, I what? want someone here with me. And they'd yeah. said, yeah, 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 in a bit. <gasps> and they naughty. hadn't done it. So that's why the defence said we need to leave those out because he didn't have a lawyer there when he'd requested one. Yeah, no. And the the judge said, no. <gasps> yeah. Everyone's on bad behaviour, yeah, aren't they? Right. Um, the jury found Fell guilty of two Do you know what, though? Do you think at this, by this point, like, after he's been, you know, leading, a, leading them a merry dance, that everyone was kind of like, let's send him to prison then. Like, if he's gonna, <laughs> he's pissed us all off at this point. Do you think the police no. were all a bit like... I think don't give a shit have, if you did it or not. Now. If you were on the jury, you'd have to believe someone had done it, though. Surely. Oh, I suppose the jury did that. But I mean, yeah. like the, allowing the interviews to go in and everything. Maybe in 1991. So this is years later. Fell's appeal was taken up by the justice by Justice, which is a human rights organisation, and they fought on the basis that there was no forensic evidence that Fell had done the crimes, and he had no representation. They maybe they picked on him because he had a stupid name as well, and it sounded weird. Like if you're gonna sound like paedophile, um, I'm not going with it. <laughs> it sounds like paedophile. Come on, Facebook group, back me up. Uh, no weapon was found. The fell was not picked out in an identity parade by anyone. Um, he had been released after making his first confession. So obviously, at that time, they thought yeah, it's not when, when it was near the event, and he would have known. If he was going to remember things, that's when his memory would have been freshest. Yes. A woman had been attacked on the common a year prior to the murder, and she said from the photo fit, it's the same man. But when she saw a photo of Fell, she said it's not him. Right. So that's another reason that Justice took this up. Fell was in Germany when the first attack took place. Is the Jeep thing done? Um, what do you mean? Is the Jeep coming back? No. Oh. That's it for Jeeps. So the only point, the only link... So Jeep was like, oh, he said Jeep, it's a Jeep. No, the man on the common that soldiers had seen had said Jeep, and then Fallard later used the word Jeep. Oh, my God. Um, It's a tenuous link. It's very tenuous. He could have said any word. Hang around with him long enough, I'm sure he'd have... like, Like, that thing about having what is it like a hundred monkeys typing on a hundred typewriters for a hundred years and eventually they're going to come up with the complete works of Shakespeare like yeah yeah if you hang around him long enough he's going to say the word jeep (laughs) everyone says jeep eventually yeah put that on a t-shirt 
Another woman had also said she'd seen a crazy looking man an hour before the murder near the common and she said that's that's not who that's not Fell when she saw Fell. That's not Jeep. Based on this they took this up in nineteen ninety one, he was released in two thousand and one. So ten years it took to get him out. And because the conviction was ruled as unsafe, as in, I think it's just not not enough. But, he, I mean, he'd done a lot of time by then. So, I mean, interestingly, Justice is the same organisation that my friend, um, her stepdad, served 25 years for a murder that he admitted to. And he, it was 25 years before they they released him. And he'd completely said i did it he was on a lot of drugs at the time and stuff um and he yeah 25 years well, and he hadn't done it and justice got him out yeah yeah he was innocent so he served a whole life sentence and he got some conversations but not very much i mean well i i don't think you're going to get a lot of conversation when you did admit to it yourself yeah i think if you've been protesting your innocence all along and then they find it's not you you deserve a lot of money. Whereas if you've said it's you and they and they agreed with you, mm. it's not like they weren't. But then vulnerable people will do ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's things. ridiculous. He wasn't given any representation, so yeah. like, that's their fault. So in two thousand and six, on the same area of land. Oh my god! If Peter Feller stabbed someone, I'm going to go and stab him. <laughs> Did he stab someone? A woman was stabbed. Oh dear god. A woman was stabbed and sexually assaulted while walking her dog. On the common? Well, I think so. It was in Aldershot. And from what I can gather, it was on the common. But there was only one article I found on this. Which is weird, because I think this is big news. So she'd been dragged into bushes and threatened with a knife. She'd escaped. She was naked when she escaped. So they dragged all her clothes off her. Um, She'd been grabbed. And a motorist passing had picked her up and taken her straight to the police station um the clothes weren't found so the attacker must have taken them but the woman received a cut to the throat and she described the man as slim five foot ten tall and had short gray hair and he was wearing a camouflage jacket so all these years later it's happening again someone's still out there if it had been fell she would have seen a photo of fell and said yeah it was him Clearly it wasn't. It's whoever did this first murder. For, like, the symmetry of it, if it was the same one. But I I don't know. I think Aldershot, just everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Like, Aldershot, can we all just get together and, like, have a word with ourselves? Seriously. Yeah. Anyway, that's Peter Fell. So that's it for episode 22 of Slaughter. Could you please, if you've got time, rate, review and subscribe? Five stars, please. That'd be lovely. And just remember that if you listen to Slaughter, it doesn't make you a psycho. But if you say you don't use knives, it kind of does. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 